We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Roto-Grinders? Dean here. This is the best ball hot take show we bring in two of our uh, best ball experts, the batting first, leading off the uh, freshly tanned uh, Chris Prince. You guys know him as Beer Makers fan, of course, former Fandle Live Finals champion. Beer has been playing uh, in the Scott Fishbowl draft in a way. That's good times for sure. And Beer, uh, you've been knocking out a lot of baseball, best balls as well, too. Uh, how are oh, yeah. things in your world? Yeah. I mean, nothing else to do. You got to draft some teams. So we got Scott Fishbowl <laughs> going on, best ball. Uh, softball is why we have the tan going on. Got me the Zion Williamson cut, so uh, feeling good over here, Dean. Ready, ready to wrap some football here. Feeling good. Look, I, I hope you have some hot takes for us. You have some hot takes on layaway for us? No, oh, absolutely. That's what we're here for. We'll see if I can uh, keep up with my boy here. We're going to talk a little Scott Fishbowl in a second. Talk to four teams specifically from a best ball perspective, Arizona, the Giants, Dallas, and Atlanta. That said, your boy, the aforementioned, uh, it's Chris Jamino, hardest working man here at RG, uh, former XFL guru, ownership projection guru, Lineup HQ guru, pretty much if you like anything at Rudder Grinders, Jamino has his hands in it in some way. Uh, Jamino, how are things in your world? Things are going great, Dean. You know, I'm, I've got the uh, esports thing going on. I've been handling that for the last couple of weeks. But more <laughs> importantly, I drafted two players that I despise in the Scott Fishbowl. And that's good news because every player that I love that I draft gets hurt or removed from their role. So I'm very happy to draft two players I don't like whatsoever. Have, have we already expunged from the record on previous shows some of the players that you've already injured and the recommendations, recommendations you've thrown out there? I'm not familiar with these people, Dean. I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Dean, we'll are talk- you referencing Debo Samuel and Jared Stidham? I mean, we have to bring it up because uh, Jamino's two for two. We've done two of these shows. Yeah, He's literally killed two players. So let's hope we, uh, we can save some guys this week and we don't, we don't kill anybody on our Scott Fishbowl teams. One guy we share on both teams, so let's uh, let's try to tread lightly here this week, Jamino. Don't kill anybody off. Let's let's pull up uh, whose team do I have first? I have Jamino's team up uh, first in front of me. And yeah, but the, the scene I'm reminding of, I think it was Goodfellas, where uh, these guys are watching a race and they're all, you know, the mush. The mush is rooting for the same horse that I have, and you got we got to throw Jamino in the closet. You can't have him watching the the race. You can't have him mushing our players. Oh, and there goes my camera. Oh, good times. So we killed Dean's <laughs> camera. Dean's already camera going, Dean. I'm so pushing happy. already. <laughs> it's better than our fantasy players. We, we can fix the camera. <laughs> I got to tilt my camera up. My apologies. Let me throw it to a – well, first of all, Jamino, tell us the rules of the Scott Fishbowl Challenge. Well, look, th- there's some exceptional rules in the Scott Fishbowl every single year. This year, I think the most interesting – rule that they came up with is essentially a completion percentage rule and negative scoring for quarterbacks to the point where there's going to be quarterbacks you're going to be able to take in these drafts that might seem fine on paper in a standard fantasy draft, but can have very, very downside type games. There's negative four points per interception, two points if that goes for a touchdown. So you can get minus six on a pick six. You can get minus one point per incompletion, only a half point per completion. So that's going to lead players with high completion percentage to do better. And then there's also minus one point per sack from the quarterback position. So it really creates a volatility that's not usually there with quarterbacks. You'll see that when we talk about my team, how I approach that. I think a lot of sharp players went a different route when it came to the quarterback. But ultimately, I do think that there's an interesting conversation to be had when it comes to the quarterback position. Everything else is basically tight end premium and fairly standard scoring elsewhere. But the quarterback position this year is the one – that's the one quirk we have. 
So you drafted at a 10 spot. You went quarterback, quarterback. I assume that means there's a super, uh, a, what is it, a super slot? What, what, what do they call that? I, I'm not a big season long or best ball guy. Super something. Super flex. flex. There you go. There you go. I took the yep, scenic so route, but I got there eventually. So normally in a super flex, you definitely want to start two quarterbacks. In this particular format, if you don't get two good quarterbacks, you might not want to start that second quarterback. It really depends what type of an archetype you've got. You know, how, you know, in other words, you wouldn't want, you want to start like some of those guys the Jets were rolling out last year, I don't think. You know, Luke Falk <laughs> not going to do too well in this format. But, yeah, otherwise you're probably starting two quarterbacks. And I went with Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson on the one-two term, mostly because I wanted to just give myself the floor of not having to worry about some of those negative weeks while giving me upside at the quarterback position. I, I understand that there's a lot of reasons to not take a quarterback or just take one quarterback in the early rounds. I think a lot of people – went that route but ultimately I felt like in a draft like this especially drafting on the turn I could fill up my running back slots a little bit later which I eventually ended up doing and get some quality wide receivers maybe in the mid rounds I like some of these tight ends for upside that I could take a chance on I don't I didn't necessarily feel like I wanted to roll with you know some of your low low end quarterbacks in this particular format I'm just not looking for that kind of downside I want my quarterback to be level with upside was the plan two quarterbacks or you just kind of sort of like you had a couple targets, they went before, you know, and you couldn't get them, they weren't available, and you said, screw it, let me just get two quarterbacks? I felt like I was fairly likely to take two quarterbacks. There wasn't quite the quarterback run that I thought there was going to be on the backside, so I feel like I could have maybe gotten a quarterback that I wanted at the end of round three there and gone with a running back there in round two. But ultimately, you know, I'm not too uh, shaken up by it. it. It did end up filling my backfield reasonably well, and I got some good wide receivers, so I'm pretty happy with my results so far. All right, Beer, uh, take some shots here or say you like it. Well, you know, he's drafting out of the 10 hole. He took Prescott, then he took uh, Russell Wilson, then he got his third running back there, his first running back in, the, in round three of Melvin Gordon. It's up on the screen, Allen Robinson, Thielen, Mike Evans, and then Damian Williams as well. Beer, what's your assessment? What, what, do, what do you think of Gino's draft so far? I like it. I mean, I, generally I wait a little bit on quarterback. I mean, I drafted one in the second round, but you know, picking at 10th, he probably didn't have access to any of the workhorse running backs. So then you put yourself in a spot where do you take that second group of running backs or do you dive in at the quarterback position? So love the Dak pick. I, I think Dak has MVP level upside uh, in this offense. We're going to talk about them uh, today. So no issues in this format and getting the the accurate quarterbacks. You know, I think that's what a, a lot of people are going to going to miss out on early and not look at the the scoring and and just kind of draft and Jamita laid it out great you, you want those accurate guys plus he's got guys that can give them upside with their legs so all in all I love the team uh wide receivers a position I decided to kind of wait on a little bit he attacked it in the mid rounds and, and got a lot of good names uh, there's still names in my draft that, that you're surprised are on the board at the wide receiver position so a lot of upside with this team rolled the dice with Damian Williams uh, so far, so good, in my opinion. I, I'd love to take a shot at him here, but uh, it, it looks like a solid team to me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to agitate him. I'm trying to, I'm trying to poke the bear and get him angry. But uh, any Let's sort of the words, Stidham. <laughs> Stidham, yes. Jamina, any thoughts? <laughs> you didn't draft. Are you sitting on Stidham? Is that what is that what's going on right now? Maybe I'm going to uh, round eight. I'm going to wait on Stidham. I'm going to wait on Cam Newton too. You know, we've got our MVP quarterback going to New England Patriots. One year deal. He's getting paid. Roughly the same as Dean, so they got a really, really good deal to get true. Cam out there. Uh, look, they're, they're not really taking any risk here. Stidham could still be the guy. It's probably not going to happen. But, I mean, they're not definitely tied to Cam Newton at the hip with the kind of contract they gave him. They're going to need him to go out there and prove it. He's probably fully healthy. I expect him to be the guy. So Stidham, unfortunately, dead to me. Does that mean I have to prove it too, Javino? Am I potentially on the hook <laughs> the way you're phrasing all these things? We can cut you at any time. You are done. <laughs> There's no no repercussions here contractually with Dean. Mid-show, what happened to Dean? Uh, since, since we're on a beer, uh, Stidham, what's your take here as far as Cam? I mean, you know, we, we kind of saw that a move like that could be coming, you know, and it all kind of came together. So we'll see. I mean, uh, you got to think they brought him in. They're not going to have Cam Newton be a backup. So he's either the starter or I think they just cut bait and yeah. roll with Stidham. So uh, I think those are your two scenarios. So we'll see. I, I wouldn't completely write off Stidham yet. Uh, it could be he beats him out. You know, maybe Cam's not the guy that he was, and we know he's not the same guy. So can he still offer some upside with his legs and run this offense efficiently? I wouldn't write sit him off just yet. Most likely Cam is the starter, but uh, still still a lot to be done here. Uh, still a lot to be played out in, in that New England quarterback room. Let's uh, let's clean up your team here, Jamino, before you step aside and look at uh, Beers, uh, Scott Fishbowl's team so far. 
your favorite pick when you consider the talent, consider the, the spot you took him. And then is there a, you know, milk was a bad choice. Like an immediate regret that pick you have as, as of just yet. No, I, I feel like I didn't take too many risks, even though I've got wide receivers, which is not necessarily something a lot of players have been doing. They've been loading up on running backs. They've been getting the tight end premium early in the draft. I got guys like Allen Robinson and Adam Thielen who are just pretty much locked in for primetime level roles with their offense, uh, plenty of available targets. Robinson's got big upside. Uh, Thielen is a guy who just doesn't have a lot of competition around him. And then Mike Evans I got as my third wide receiver. I don't like Mike Evans this year. I'm not really a fan. But if you're talking about getting him round number six, uh, you're, you're talking about getting a guy in a half-point PPR format. So if he does end up having a little bit of touchdown equity playing with Brady as a, as a guy who can get into the end zone, I'm not, you know, I'm not terribly upset about taking him as the third guy. I don't want to pay the premium price that we're seeing for him in best ball, but if we're not paying the premium price, I'll go ahead and draft him pretty much every time at that kind of level. The, uh, the screenshots, by the way, you guys are seeing on the screen right now. This is courtesy of the, uh, the Scott Fishbowl app here at Roto Grinders. If you guys want to see it, you can see Jamino's team. You can see Beer's team. You can see everybody's team. You can see when players are getting drafted, ADP and all that stuff. And so it's a, you know, and there's a slew of experts in the industry. Obviously, basically everybody is participating in this. Do you know, are you in a slow draft? You have one of those guys just kind of sits on the clock and, uh, you know, wait six every three hours because uh, beer's ahead of you, or at least around here. I'm not going to slander anybody, Dean. They're thoughtful. They're putting some thought in here. They're Name names. Throw somebody under like, the bus. I like to picture them studying in between picks. <laughs> uh, maybe beer's, uh, maybe your league is just kind of flying through it. Beer, you had the, uh, the seven pick. Talk me through your strategy. You went uh, running back heavy early, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to land one of those stud running backs. Uh, luckily, Kamara fell to me, so I wanted to gobble him up. And, and it kind of played out as I hoped, kind of hoping a quarterback uh, in that top five would still be there in the second round uh, and end up getting Kyler Murray. And then it was just going to be load up on the running back position. There's a, a steep cliff. You know, you can go, if you go a zero RB, that's a whole different ball game. But uh, I think it's one or the other. You know, you know I don't think you want to – kind of middle it so I wanted to go heavy on the running back I'm a big believer uh, in Todd Gurley this season in that offense uh, Jamino and I both agree Melvin Gordon is vastly underrated so we both took him got him a little later here so I'm gonna toot my horn in the fourth round on him uh, and then Juju in the fifth uh, we talked about him I believe in our first show you know, I'm a big fan of him bouncing back Ben Roethlisberger back in that offense Deontay Johnson gonna help uh, open some things up Ebron I think that offense uh, can be very good so love the value on Juju uh, come back. Jared Goff what, wasn't wasn't huge on that pick. The quarterbacks were starting to fly. Uh, so wanted to grab one before it really fell off. So he's a guy, if you can go back to 2018, Jared Goff, you know, he's kind of middle of the road completion percentage. The interceptions were up this last season, but if he can get back to 2018, I, I'll feel okay about that. Stacked him up with Robert Woods and then grabbed the tight end there in Gronk uh, in the last round. So feeling hey. good. So far, so good. Hey, Colin Coward says that Jared Goff's got a top five arm in the league, so that's got to be worth something, right? Oh, boy. Now I feel worse about the Jared Goff. <laughs> Thanks, Dean. I appreciate that. Did you take Woods because you took Goff or just kind of happened organically? How'd that work? Uh, both. I mean, I like the value of Robert Woods there at that point, and it was a stacking opportunity here. So that this you're in 12-team leagues, so you don't have to get as crazy. But at the end, you need some of those things to work out, uh, kind of like in the best ball championships where there, there's going to be a lot of teams at the end. So organically it came together. Uh, so I'm, I have no issue stacking up when it comes to, you know, came together like it did. So good value there in my opinion on Robert Woods. You mentioned a decision point as far as zero running back and then you went the other route with loading up three, with three running backs, your top four picks. Uh, do you feel strongly one way or the other, or it's just kind of sort of like what the draft gives you? I, I am more of a, what the draft gives me kind of guy, but going in, I'm always going to lean more heavy running back early. You know, I, I like a lot of wide receivers and, and you're going to hear all summer long wide receivers, deep yada, yada. Well, you got to like the wide receivers out of there. You have to feel good about them personally, not me or Jamino telling you there's 50 wide receivers, but when you dig in, there's a lot of good names I think are undervalued at that position. So I want running back early the tight end position is premium, but it's only a half extra PPR. I don't think that's a massive, massive upgrade where you see a lot of people going super early on tight end here. It helps balance the scoring a little bit, but I felt you could wait at that position as well. So grabbing those running backs early, coming back, mixing in some quarterback, going later at tight end, it's kind of falling along the strategy I hoped it would. All right, Jamino, beer was more than kind to you. Are you going to return the favor or are you going to turn heel on him? What, what, what do you think of his team? 
No, Beard's starting with this pretty traditional look here. He's got the running backs that we like to have as the, to give us our baseline in fantasy football. Alvin Kamara, I believe, is going to be in for a monster-type season. We, the guy, you know, he didn't really have the passing game upside that we know he's capable of last year. We didn't get in the box enough times last year. We know that the, the Saints are going to be in a really good position to have a good quality fantasy football team from a win perspective. So usually when teams are winning, they're scoring points. And I think that Kamara is definitely going to be one of the better picks of the 2020 fantasy season. So I'm very much in tune with what Beer's doing here. I have no complaints here, and I'd be happy to have the roster. You're not a fan of old man girl either. And I say old man because he's 26, which is ridiculous to say, but he's he's got an old ligament, if nothing else, or an old leg, it seems like. Uh, you're not a girly guy, are you? Look, we'll talk about Gurley in a little bit here. I, I don't really have a strong take on Gurley. I know that when you talk about a range of outcomes on the guy, I think yeah. that you're gonna, going to get a pretty centralized range of outcomes on him. He does have some downside. There's probably not a ton of upside. He's probably not going to be the guy who's going to be the Todd Gurley of old where he's getting all kinds of touches in the run game and the pass game, but he's got the touchdown equity. Atlanta Falcons are probably going to be moving the football, and I re- can't really say too much bad about him at this point. You got to have a Gronk take, don't you? I hate Gronk for a number of reasons. I mean, the guy's on the masked singer in the offseason. He's skinny arm Gronk. You know, he's he's was abused and battered when he was on the Patriots. And now his quarterback is over 40 years old. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who's got multiple tight ends to contend with on the roster for playing time. He's got multiple other top end receiving threats on the roster to contend with. And look, if the Buccaneers are better, like everyone seems to think. I would imagine at some point in the game, this isn't going to be like a run-and-gun type of an offense. They're eventually going to play to win the damn game, and we're not going to be seeing Gronk late in games. We're going to, you know, we're going to be seeing Ronald Jones grinding it out at the end of the game and stuff. You know, we're we're not going to see Gronk with the classic Gronk that we remember. That's really my opinion on him. But you know, in the red zone, the guy's huge. So there's always going to be that upside for a tight end and tight end premium scoring to do something. He's just not one of my favorite picks of the 2020 fantasy draft. Beer, did you factor this in when drafting? Did you know he was in the Mass Singer? I don't know if that would uh, change things for you. I did not. I knew he was the WWE 24-7 champion at some point. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. He's got that on the resume. And, you know, I, I yeah, at tight end 12, a lot of people were taking him earlier, which I, I did not advocate for. But at tight end 12, can he be a tight end one? In that range, yes. I'm not expecting Gronk of old, but the touchdown should be there. You know, the, the, the PPR scoring here for the tight ends really is not going to help him a ton. I mean, he's not a, you know, a 90-95 reception kind of guy. So it's the touchdowns I'm counting on the connection with Tom Brady. And at that point, with the tight ends room the way it was, he really stood out to me as a value there. So I don't love him this season, but I felt the value was there at that point. We're going to talk about the four teams we're going to talk about in just a second, Arizona, Giants, Dallas, and Atlanta. But I'm curious, Jamino, uh, we're looking at the ADP stuff right now in the fishbowl, uh, and is there anything sort of popping? And obviously you can only do so much with this information because the scoring system heavily favors quarterbacks, so that's why you're seeing Mahomes going three overall in the ADP, uh, you know, and Prescott going 12, and you know, it's quarterback heavy the way the scoring system goes. You have the super, the super flex. Uh, anything jumping out to you kind of goofy here, Jamino, or outside of the Matt Barkley thing, which we explained uh, yeah, we about <laughs> You know, I'm seeing more of the guys that I thought wouldn't that you know, haven't been falling in some of these drafts I've seen on best ball tens and stuff, some of these younger rookies and some of these weaker running backs like uh like Mostert and I just drafted Mark Ingram in like the eighth round or something. You know, I mean a lot of these guys that I don't like because of their ADP have been falling in this particular format. So I am noticing that, you know. Some of these guys that you have become accustomed over the offseason to not liking so much, uh, for the right price, Dean, we're, we're willing to buy pretty much anyone. And I'm seeing some pretty good price tags on some guys that people are usually overvaluing, valuing, but in the Scott Fishbowl, perhaps uh, more appropriately letting them fall. Yeah, I mean, just from a DFS perspective, I'm willing to play anybody for, for the right price and pay anybody for the wrong price. And yeah, if it just value makes sense, uh, you just sort of take a guy if you're not necessarily in love with them. Uh, Beer, any sort of takeaways as far as the ADP, or is it kind of sort of standard as is? Yeah, I mean, pretty standard. You, you see things here and there, little blips. The, the Matt Barkley thing is funny. But uh, the, some of the wide receivers that, that continue to fall down the board, I mean, Court and Sutton just went in the ninth round in my draft. So uh, as kind of I thought it would happen, I didn't think they'd fall that far. But when you throw in a super flex component, you throw in that tight end premium component, you throw in the depth of the receiver position, that's naturally going to happen in a lot of drafts. So uh, feel good about waiting at that position. Still a lot of good names. 
on the board, but ADP looks looks pretty standard across everything. Nothing really really jumps off the page here to me. All right, first team Arizona Cardinals. Uh, let's stick with you, Beer, because you took uh, Kyler Murray as your sixth pick overall. I'm sorry, as a sixth quarterback overall with the second pick in the draft there in Scott Fish. And I, I assume you're a believer in Murray, and obviously the addition of Hopkins, you got to be excited. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kyler Murray's a guy's rookie season. The completion percentage uh, it was a lot higher than I thought it would be. So an accurate type quarterback. You hope the interceptions come down that can kill you uh, in this scoring system. But big believer in this offense. You know, we saw signs of it last season. I don't think it went as well as people last season wanted it to go in the beginning. But uh, towards the end of the season, things started coming together. Now you add uh, a year of Kenyon Drake uh, familiar with the offense. You bring in DeAndre Hopkins, another year of growth for Christian Kirk, uh, Larry Fitzgerald there to help these guys. And maybe he doesn't give you a lot on the field, but he can give you a lot on the practice field and in the locker room. So all in all, I have big, big hopes for this offense. And Kyler Murray, we know, should take the next step. I think he can be a top-five quarterback in this format, gives you the upside with his legs, can be very accurate. Big, big fan of this offense this season. So uh, a lot of these guys, Christian Kirk, I think, is underrated. Uh, Kenyon Drake starting to fly up draft boards uh, and Kyler Murray. I have no doubts. He's going to be a top five quarterback this season. Jamina, big picture as far as uh, Arizona. I think Kenyon Drake is flying up draft boards for good reason. We have an off. If you just look at the offense, just from a macro point of view, they're going to try to run a lot of plays. They did not run the kind of volume that they really truly wanted to last season. They also weren't able to run in four wide receiver sets. They just didn't have the personnel wide receiver-wise. Now they've got that. They've got Hopkins to become a threat on the outside. Christian Kirk is healthier. You know, Fitch, they're going to get uh, their two youngsters, one more year of experience out there with Butler and Isabella. They've definitely got threats to spread the field and really run the offense the way that they want to run it. Of course, Kenyon Drake was already seeing zero stacked boxes as it stands. I mean, if you look on a site like playerprofiler.com where they track stacked front versus base front and light front, I mean, the guy's running against the stack front 15% of the time, number 36 in the league, averaging 6.5 defenders in the box. That was last year. That was before they had DeAndre Hopkins. That was before they improved their offensive line and before that they are going to inevitably just be a better offense in year number two, better than they were in year number one. So this guy's got the key role near the goal line. We saw him have a number of big touchdown performances. That's certainly not going to repeat every single week like we saw towards the end of last season. But at the end of the day, this is not a special athlete. This is not a special player. This is a player who's going to be the beneficiary of a good opportunity, both from number of touches and from the actual opportunity you'll see when he touches the ball with favorable conditions for running. Your take as far as Hopkins, I know we all kind of clowned on Bill O'Brien uh, making that trade. Uh, do you think he's in the right spot? Is four basically where he's landing behind Thomas, behind Hill, behind Adams, uh, right in front of Jones, right in front of A-Rob? Is that the appropriate spot for Hopkins? I personally am trying not to draft Hopkins a whole ton because I feel that there's too many legitimate threats in this passing game for him to become the same guy that we saw in Houston. So I do feel he'll have a fine season. I feel like there is a good median expectation for targets and production in this offense. So I feel he's like sort of a safe fantasy pick. But if we're talking about using the best ball picks for our best ball drafts in the best possible way, we want to try to find some ceiling, you know, the upside for him to be the number one overall fantasy play. I don't know if that's going to be there for him. I mean, he'll certainly be fine. I mean, I'm top 12 seems super, super confident, but I would not call him somebody who's going to go ahead and do what Michael Thomas did last year, where he's just going to absolutely win your fantasy league for you. And in the first couple of rounds in the draft, you'd probably want to have at least that shot. Beer, do you find yourself landing on Hopkins? I know you're having a lot of uh, best ball drafts out there. I'm with Jamino on this one. He's not a guy that I'm seeking out. In fact, I think he's probably a little bit overrated at this point. I would rather have Julio Jones, and he will certainly have his spike weeks. But this offense is predicated on spreading the ball to a bunch of different players. We're not just going to pump targets to our number one guy. So he'll get plenty of targets. But the question is, is he going to get Houston-level targets where he was pretty much the only show in town with Will Fuller constantly on the bench? So I don't think you're going to see him get a target share anywhere near what he got in Houston. So naturally the numbers are going to come down. So best ball, sure. You're going to get your weeks out of him. at his current cost. There's other guys that I would rather have. So if he falls, there's always a value on players. If he falls far enough, but not a guy that I'm seeking out other guys, I think just have a bigger upside and guys I'd rather have in that range right now. Drake versus Miles Sanders. I'm 
currently leading Drake right now. I think that originally Miles Sanders was the answer to this question, but I just feel after, you know, as, as the price goes up on Miles Sanders, I think it's really the thing that's bothering me the most. If they're both the same price, I'm taking probably more Drake than I am Sanders, even though those are two of my, you know, more preferred young ascending running backs to take in the, you know, at the back end of, Round one early and round two, probably the best price for him. If you can get him somewhere in round two, I think that's the best, you know, optimal situation. But either one of those guys is a possible, you know, number one, two, three, four running back, you know, if things go potentially right for both these teams when you talk about the Eagles and the Cardinals. So Sanders, just behind Drake for me. Is that basically a coin toss for you, Beer, or you have a take on it? I see Sanders going in the first round, and we talked about this on one of our other shows. I think that's kind of ludicrous on Sanders. I see the talent. I like the player. We'll see if he becomes a workhorse in that Doug Peterson offense. You know, the argument is he's never used a workhorse. Well, he's never had a back like Sanders either. So uh, Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But I think Drake's the better value right now. Drake's the guy you can get. Uh, He's starting to creep up into the early second, but a lot of drafts I've seen him go – mid to late second I think that's tremendous value uh whether you go running back in the first round or not I'm okay rolling Kenny Drake as my as my RB1 uh, and filling it in after that so Drake at cost I think is a much better value right now than Miles Sanders does anybody want to make like a uh, I know DFSers love this dude you got to get in the field that's most important he doesn't get on the field uh Andy Isabella is a last round flyer anybody want to throw it out there it's just not happening not just yet I mean, if I have Kyler like I do, maybe I want to throw him at the end of my bench. Uh, I'm a bigger believer in Akeem Butler, but uh, it seems like they uh, like Isabella a little bit more. So last round, deep draft like this as a stacking potential, sure, because you just want pieces of this offense at that point. So when you're targeting guys at the end of the draft, go for the good offenses. Don't be drafting guys from some of these offenses that are going to score 12 points a game. You know, the Jacksonville wide receivers, guys like that. So Last round flyer, sure. Why not? Especially if it's part of a stack. Yeah, Jimmy, no thoughts on Isabella. Anybody else in Arizona you want to clean up before you move on? I mean, I love Isabella as a player in, in a vacuum, but when you talk about for fantasy football, there's just a lot of hurdles to clear for him to become a regular player. Someone who's going to be out there, you know, someone we're thinking about in DFS, right? Like he's, he's just, you know, I, you know, outside of like, you know, the million maker or whatever that you're trying to just hit the nuts. But for me, I'm not that interested in Andy Isabella, even in best ball, even though I do like him as a player. All right, Jimeno, over the Giants for us. So, look, Saquon Barkley is special. This is not a hot take. This is the hot take show, and you just got the <laughs> coldest possible take about Saquon Barkley. He's good? But, yes. But, is that you know, Matt Barkley injury. or Saquon Barkley? <laughs> Matt Barkley, you know, not as special. Um, probably more special than people think, hashtag team preseason. But I do think that Saquon Barkley is better. That is – Definitely not a hot take. So you want to talk about this team ascending on offense. It has nothing to do with the fact that I think that they'll, they have improved their offensive line or their blocking. No, they probably really haven't. I haven't really think they added too many pieces to this offense. You know, there's question marks on Evan Ingram to me as far as, you know, whether or not this guy can continue to stay on the field and produce at his maximum level. If he is, of course, he's great, but I just don't know if that's what we're going to get from him go forward. I just think this defense is so, so, so bad that they're just going to get bludgeoned every single week in the NFC East. If they, you know, we're talking about a potentially high casualty season, you know, a lot of risks out there in the current environment health-wise. Uh, you know, this defense has nowhere to go but down. They're, they're not getting better. And they're just going to be in shootouts. They're going to be in a situation where this offense is forced to uncork a lot of pass attempts. And for this reason, I'm just sort of looking at, like, especially, you know, especially a guy like Barkley who's going to be involved in the passing game. But then you got Daniel Jones, who's so cheap in drafts. You can get Daniel Jones in best ball drafts, you know, way after some of these other guys that people are paying top dollar for. And, we, you know, look, we like these guys for good reasons. We like Russell Wilson. We like Matt Ryan. We like, you know, some of these mid-round quarterbacks. But if you can get Daniel Jones in the double-digit rounds, I think that that's how you can build a really high upside best ball team, especially if he's not your first quarterback. So I'm really liking the Giants for best ball. It has nothing to do with them being good. I just think that their defense is so bad that they're going to be forced to be sort of a high-volume passing attack yet again in 2020. Yeah, sometimes, Jimino, many times, opportunity trumps talent, right? And, and the opportunity is going to be there. Uh, the receiving core, let's stick with you, Jimino, as far as this. We'll, we'll go to beer in a second. But uh, we're seeing a Slayton, Tate, Shepard, uh, Slayton going a little bit, uh, you know, about 10 runs, 10, 10, 10 spots ahead as far as wide receiver, then, then Tate, then Shepard. Who's your favorite amongst those three when, you can, when you're considering where you have to get them? 
I think that Slayton's the guy that everyone is drafting first because of yeah. what we saw last season. I, I, I have half a mind to say that Tate is, is a little bit interesting to me just because you're not going to pay anything at all for him. If you are really sort of trying to fill up your wide receiver spots with seven to 10 guys and you want one of them to be sort of a you know mid-level floor but with some ceiling on a week-to-week basis, I think Tate kind of fits that profile you know pretty well and he's cheaper than Slayton at this point in time. So, I mean, it, of course, it's cost-dependent. But Tate is a guy who I don't think is quite done yet. I think he's still got a little bit of juice. He's still going to be heavily favored in this offense to some level. And I think Slayton has sort of got that late season buzz about him that has his ADP pretty high right now. And Shepard's just not se- – nobody wants Shepard. He's just not sexy, right? No, no one's going to draft Sterling Shepard, but I think he's probably where he belongs at this point in time. I, you know, I, I think he's best when everyone's out. And right now, we, you know, the injuries haven't started to pile up yet. So Shepard's a guy that I think we prefer when he's like the only game in town. Yeah, Beer, we said Barkley's good, and then we're kind of sort of half joking, but like what else is there to say? Like Barkley's great. Yeah, if you're in the two spot, you take Barkley most likely, and that's that. Like what else is there anything to add there? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to add. We we already know how good Saquon Barkley is. He's gonna be involved in the passing game. Uh, you know, they can they can split him out and play him as a wide receiver if they want. So how creative are they gonna get with him? I don't think it's even an argument. McCaffrey one, Barkley two. Then you can start discussing Zeke, Kamara, guys like that. But I think the top two picks are locked in. So we don't need to spend any more time on Saquon Barkley. The guy's a stud. Draft him accordingly. You got to have take as far as he's receiving receivers, Slayton, Tate, Shepard. Again, considering when you have to take him, who's your favorite? I'd still like Slayton. I don't like to see the cost going up. And I kind of worry that, you know, last season, a lot of the numbers were based on touchdowns. It was a touchdown scorer, but that's, that's a stat that, you know, year in, year out is not sticky. It doesn't, you know, it's hard to predict touchdowns. So I still think he is the, the, the best of the guys. We'll see if he can live up to the hype here. I don't disagree with the Golden Tate take. I think he does still have something in the tank. Shepard, a guy, you said it, man. You know, if he's there, he's probably the best value of the three because he's going to be the cheapest, but doesn't offer a ton of upside. So Daniel Jones, the guy I want to talk about, big fan of Daniel Jones. I mean, he this guy put together some massive games. I mean, a couple 30-point games last season. I think he did it three or four times. Only Lamar Jackson had more of those games. So we're talking best ball. That's exactly what I want are those huge upside games. Now, He's going to get off to a slow start. The first four games for the Giants, very, very difficult uh, as far as who they face defensively. So that's the concern is he gets off to a slow start, and then maybe you're buried. You're one and three, you're, you're two and two. But if you draft some other quarterbacks, find some guys that have that good early season schedule and balance it out, this guy has unlimited upside. You saw it in a rookie season where the, the, the pieces around him were in shambles. They, they didn't have everybody on the field. Will that happen this season? We know Evan Ingram can't stay healthy. Some of these other guys are always hurt. But as is, with the weaponry they have, with the defense as bad as it's going to be, they're going to be in some shootouts even against some of these bad defenses early on. So massive upside. The problem is trying to stack this team. You're really going to have to throw darts. You can't draft them all. You can't have every piece here. But if you go Saquon early, you land Daniel Jones somewhere in the middle rounds, and you take a shot on one of these receivers – I think that's a perfectly good way, good way to do it without trying to grab seven New York Giants. You don't need them all, but absolutely love Daniel Jones. I think he's going to have a huge breakout season this year, put up some big numbers, especially uh, in these best ball drafts. I'm going to fire some quarterbacks at you. Tell me who you'd rather have, Jones or Roethlisberger? Jones. Goff. Jones. Mayfield. Jones. Stafford. Yeah, Jones, but it's close. I like Stafford a lot this year. Going to test your fandom here. Rodgers. Jones. Oh, snap call. Wentz. Wentz over Jones. Brady. Jones over Brady. Yes. Jamino, jump in. Say if you disagree or if you agree, if anything sort of jumps out to you. Sounds like you're on board with everything. I'm totally on board. Uh, You know, I think think some of those names are pretty hot. You know, Aaron Rodgers, I think – I mean, it's becoming less hot as the season approaches, but I mean, he's been a guy guys have been taken at the top of drafts in years past, you know, it was when he certainly when he was in his prime. And now we're talking about taking Daniel Jones over. So, you know, what are they doing out there in Green Bay beer? What's what's happening? <laughs> they, they basically have taken the ball out of his hands. You, you don't give him any receivers. They want to run the ball. They want to rely on defense. They, they play at a very slow pace. So it's just not the offense. When Aaron Rodgers was a stud, it was a fast-paced offense. They were throwing the ball over the field. They were throwing in the red zone, 
and the game plan has changed. So he's just not the same guy. You know, maybe that talent is still there. I think he can be that guy, but this offense is not going to allow him to be that guy. So I, I just don't see the upside with Aaron Rodgers. It's more name value right now. Uh, who would ever thought we'd be taking Daniel Jones over Aaron Rodgers, especially me, a Green Bay Packer fan. But here we are. I think Daniel Jones has more upside. Life comes at you fast. Uh, let's let's play the tight end game as well, too. Let's rank these three guys, Beer. Uh, Ingram, Hunter Henry, and Higby. I'd still put Ingram at the top. I, I just think there's a lot of upside if he can stay on the field and stay healthy. Now we know it's a huge if and probably not going to happen. But uh, Hunter Henry, I, I'm out on that offense uh, almost completely. I, I just – Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert, I don't, I don't care who it's going to be. I just worry about that offense and, and what they're going to look like. So – Love the talent of Hunter Henry, but would rather have Ingram. So I'll go Ingram. Higby, big question mark. Are we going to see the Higby that we saw at the end of last season, or are we going to get in a committee here and they work Gerald Everett back in? So I'll go Ingram, Higby too. Hunter Henry, I'm pretty much hands off with him and the rest of the, the San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers. Do you mean him? Plenty of good seats available to the Chris Herndon concert, Dean. So you can draft <laughs> him in like the 50th round or whatever. Or you can just overpay for, like, Evan Ingram and all those guys you just mentioned, which I would rather not do. <laughs> and is Gronk behind all those guys, I assume? Uh, Gronk's behind all those guys, but, I mean, I, you know, I don't necessarily – I have them kind of in, like, all, like a pack together. You know, I've yeah. Gronk ranked quite a bit lower than those guys, but, I, you know, I see them all kind of the same way. I would just much prefer I'm, – I'm either going to take a gamble on some random early tight end situation or I'm just going to wait. All right, clean up the Giants, Beer. Anything else? No, I think we hit on everything. It's just it's going to be tough to stack the Giants. So if you're going to do it, grab a piece, two, three pieces. Don't try to go crazy with it. But love, love, love Daniel Jones this year. All right, Beer. How many footballs are in Dallas this year? Let's talk the Cowboys. Uh, of course, you got Dak, you got Elliott, you have Gallup. Uh, you know, uh, Cooper is still there. They drafted Lamb. Uh, I've seen some people throw out Jarwin as a potential tight end flyer. Uh, what's your take as far as this offense? I mean, this offense should be good. We saw it last season. They, they were very good. They were right there with the Chiefs uh, as one of the best offenses in the league. And now you add a guy like C.D. Lamb to replace the aging Randall Cobb. You get younger <laughs> at tight end going with Blake Jarwin uh, instead of Jason Witten. And you still have Ezekiel Elliott uh, to give the defense's fits as well. So uh, I think this is a team I want to be very much so uh, overweight on uh, in my draft. Dak Prescott. I'm calling MVP. You want hot takes? Dak there Prescott is, is going to be the MVP of the NFL this season. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to go and get some futures down on that. But love this offense. I mean Zeke right now. I have number three. We talked McCaffrey, Barkley. I think Zeke right there at number three. We could have an argument with Kamara, uh, Dalvin Cook if he's going to play. But uh, Zeke gives you a lot of upside here. Uh, the receivers. That's where it starts to get dicey. You know, I've seen Amari Cooper start to fall down the board a little bit. Uh, how does C.D. Lamb affect this? Well, Randall Cobb got a lot of targets uh, in that offense out of the slot. So would not surprise me, and I think we've mentioned this, C.D. Lamb, uh, as a rookie, can come in and make an impact. And let's not forget Michael Gallup and how good he was last season, and people are writing him off as well. So I think there's great value on Lamb, on Gallup. I'm not as high on Jarwin as some people seem to be. You, you wonder where the targets are going to come from with all of these great receivers they have, plus Zeke, plus Tony Pollard coming in. So Jarwin, a guy I tend to put below some of the other names in that range. But I don't mind flyers on on Lamb, on Gallup, and I love Dak Prescott this season. So saw him on Jamino's roster, made me a little jealous, <laughs> but I'll make that money back in the futures market. Dak Prescott, MVP this season. Jamino, what say you? I guess you're on board as well to some degree. Look, when you have – you know Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and then you draft the best wide receiver on your team in the first round it's just incredible <laughs> when you talk about the kind of upside that Dak is going to have when you have a powerhouse like Zeke in the backfield and also they have Tony Pollard as well I mean they're absolutely loaded on offense they have one of the best offensive lines in the league it's you know PFF just came out with their rankings they had them third I think and that's no surprise I mean, they're just going to do what they want on offense with this personnel, and it's going to be brutal. And Jason Garrett's not there anymore. So, I mean, <laughs> that's huge, right there. Oh, my good. Like, just, just give me all the Cowboys. I, I love the Dak MVP take here, where the NFC East, I think, is a good division for fantasy football this season. You're going to see the Giants 
oh my goodness, let's just get ready for the Cowboys to score some fantasy points. Just get ready for CD Lamb, folks. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to be fantasy time yet for CD Lamb. I don't know if he's going to have like a huge fantasy season yet, but we're going to see it. If, if they're playing football this year, God willing, we're going to see CeeDee Lamb do something spectacular. We're, going to, we're definitely going to see things open up for these other guys on the outside. And we're going to see a lot of serial motions from Ezekiel Elliott. So all in all, the way that you, can, you could capture it the best is with Dak, but he's too expensive for my taste when you talk about best ball roster construction. So at the end of the day, I'll probably end up getting most of my exposure via Zeke early and then maybe some shots a little bit later on the draft with the wide receivers. Yeah, so uh, by the way, the if they're playing football qualifier is like yeah, that's presumed and like for everything. That's not just the Cowboys; that's all the teams and players we're talking about. Um, yeah, so let, let's play the game with wide receivers. You may know, and I'm, first of all, let's clean this up because you talked about this on a previous show about Lamb and just about rookies in general. How you you put up the caution flag because of COVID and because you know they haven't as much practice time as they may want you know, going into the year. So you were sort of tentative, uh, and also just the way hype is with rookies as well too, and talking about value. Is he being overdrafted when you consider all those factors? Well, sure. I mean, Jared Stidham, when you draft him in the 50th round and he's like a rookie and he doesn't know shit, Who's like, that? yeah, you're going to sit him, you're going to sit him on the bench and, you know, he's not <laughs> going to do anything in his rookie season. You know, you're not going to see your second round backs necessarily locked in for, you know, a full-time role. You're not necessarily going to see your fourth round wide receivers even make the team. But when you talk about special talents, normally – those guys are going to see the field and they're going to be schemed to see the field. You know, they, they have a, a specific need at that position in the slot. You talk about CD lamb versus Randall Cobb, the explosive level on paper, much brighter at this point in time for CD lamb. So we're going to see probably an upgrade in what they can do offensively at that position. At the end of the day, rookies are going to be in a tough spot this season, but I expect them to find a way to incorporate lamb immediately. Here, he said Stidham, you know, who's Stidham? Who Stidham? You know, who that is. Never heard of him. We never. killed him off in our last show. He, never he, heard that. He's guy. dead. <laughs> uh, let's play the game here, Jamino. Uh, let's let's have um, let's have Cooper go against uh, Juju. Who do you prefer? It's not even close, Juju. Again, I just, love that's a know, hot take. No, it's, it's not. It's not even remotely close, Dean. Mildly like, warm. That's a lukewarm take. Okay, Juju's Juju better, all the way Juju's for me. The better option, no doubt. All right, fair no. enough. I, I, I was on Team Juju as well, but I just thought for some reason I'm not as locked in as you guys for what it's worth, and I have not been drafting the way you guys have been drafting. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought for some reason that uh, Juju would be on the several level. Okay, let's move on. Uh, A.J. Brown? Uh, also not close. We're talking about um, – I'm, I'm sorry. I was, I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking about Juju. You got, I got Juju on the brand. Amari Cooper, A.J. AJ Brown? I think I'll take Amari. Uh, Beer, feel free to chime in if you disagree. Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup, uh, I think, you know, when it comes to Amari, it's, it's a situation where I do believe that I rattled off all those names. And for best ball, he's not one of my favorite picks because I believe that a guy like Cup is going to have the higher target floor and a pretty decent size ceiling. Uh, the Rams, I don't think, are going to be that skillful as an offense, but Cup is going to wind up getting a pretty good help, you know, chunk of the offensive targets in that system. So for me, I just think that Cup has more of a projected volume share than does Cooper. We're going to talk about him in a second, but Ridley? Calvin? Beer, what do you think? I, I, I'm probably <laughs> taking Ridley, but it's – I'm Ridley over Cooper. I, I think you're really going to see Ridley take a jump this season. And there's people out there saying he's going to overtake Julio this year. I, I don't know that it's going to be a, a Julio-Roddy White situation like back in the day. I think there's enough room in this offense for them both. Uh, to be very, very good. But uh, I think Ridley's going to explode this season. So, Amari, you're going to get those huge games. We know Amari puts up those 170 and twos, and, but there's a lot – there's some zeros mixed in there as well. So, a lot of people talk about, I want the spike weeks. Well, I don't want any damn zeros either. So, <laughs> you, you got to worry about that with Amari. So, I, I love Ridley this season. I, I, I would go Amari over Cup. Uh, you have to worry about how much 12 personnel the Rams going to utilize. We saw that. Uh, really hurt Cooper Cup, but no Brandon Cooks. Do they play him more on the outside? I still have some question marks there. So Amari over a Cup, but uh, definitely Ridley over Amari. Beer, speaking of potential zeros, Gallup versus A.J. Green. Green, (laughs) green, but I don't really want A.J. I love that offense, but but I would rather Tyler Boyd. So uh, A.J. Green I have ranked higher, but I will wait a couple more – 
probably three, four, five rounds and take Michael Gallup. So at cost, I'll go Gallup. Jamino, Gallup versus Green? I'll take A.J. Green. I, I'm, I'm a believer in what they're going to do with that offense this season, and I do think that those – they're probably going to end up having like similar looking usages. Like I don't think green's going to be the target vacuum that we've seen in seasons past. I think that they'll both uh, get their fair share of shot plays. They both got a pretty accurate quarterback sling on the rock. They both have the ability to get in the box. So I'll go ahead and go AJ green, but I, I think it's closer than it should be. Who wants to sell me on Blake Jarwin? Anybody? That's, that's a Jamino. <laughs> Jamino crickets. <laughs> All right, we got Jason Witten. Okay, Jason Witten had a lot of targets. Okay, so there's there's actually quite a few targets missing from this Dallas offense. And if you're going to start applying every single one of them to Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, I think you're probably mistaken. You're you're probably going to be looking at having a similar type of a role for Blake Jarwin, as you saw with Jason Witten, and he's obviously a little bit more explosive than what Jason Witten is. So I do think that if you're going to get a similar role to what we had uh, from the old man last season then I would think that Blake Jarwin is possibly one of those you know round 14 round 15 dart throw tight ends that you could fill in with your with the backside of your roster and, and sure I do think that that is a reasonable selection it's not one of my favorite plays in the draft but it is certainly one that you could make if you want to get a piece of this offense and you are dead set on the excitement level that you just heard from us here about this offense you you know you look at all the all the picks and they're not tremendous fantasy plays because it's so spread out but as an offense you know they're going to do something so Jarwin kind of makes sense as the cheapest piece. All right, Beer, clean up the Cowboys, open up the, the Falcons. With Jarwin, I mean, he's fifth option at best in the passing game. So, But we do want to target those good offenses. So, you know, it depends on, you know, what the tight end landscape looks like. I have him kind of clustered in with, with a bunch of guys, you know, the Jonu Smiths of the world, and you start getting into that. Then target that good offense. So I don't, I don't hate him. I think there is some upside there just being involved in this offense and the amount of touchdowns that they're going to put up, you got to think he's going to be one of the better red zone weapons for this team. So there is some upside, just, you know, he's just kind of man to me. So uh, moving on to Atlanta though, this is an offense I'm very excited about. We just talked about Ridley. I've already talked about Todd Gurley. Uh, We know Matt Ryan can be an MVP level performer. I don't think Julio Jones is close to done. Now guys can fall off a cliff very suddenly. It can happen very quickly, but I mean, this guy continues to put up 13, 1400 yards every single season. Now, can he find the end zone a little bit more uh, is always the issue, but uh, let's talk girly. I, I think that's the, the, the lightning rod here. <laughs> and I'm a big fan and I'm not expecting Todd Gurley to be RB one. Like we saw that year with the Rams, but I do think there is some upside. There's not much competition in that backfield. I mean, Edo Smith is just a guy in my opinion, Brian Hill, we, we, we all tried to make Brian Hill work in DFS. It just didn't work. But I've said this before. I don't know why Atlanta wouldn't just, let's just run this guy and see what he's got. We're not paying him a ton. We have him on a one-year deal. We don't need to be cautious. If Todd Gurley breaks down, we toss him aside. Like teams do at running backs, we get the next guy. But let's see. Maybe he can capture 70% of that upside, 75% of that upside. We know he's good in the passing game. We know the opportunities are going to be there around the goal line. And we saw the corpse of Devontae Freeman put up some numbers uh, in this offense. So uh, I think Gurley is underrated right now, vastly underrated. I'm going to gobble him up, and I have in a lot of drafts. I'm going to continue as long as he stays at this price. Now, if he starts becoming a second-round pick, I'm going to reach my limit. But right now I'm going to buy shares as cheaply as I can. And when you're getting him in the third, sometimes fourth round of drafts, I think there's still – a lot of meat left in that bow and a lot of upside there. Jamino, what are your thoughts on the uh, world's oldest 25-year-old? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know, the guy's not old by anyone's standards. It was just a couple of short seasons ago, we saw him with one of the best offensive roles in fantasy football history. You know, the guy was absolutely crushing it when they went the year they went to the Super Bowl. But now we're talking about an arthritic left knee. It is a pretty severe condition for a running back to be having. It's one that is not just physical, but it's a mental condition. It's something that the running back has to deal with thinking about all the time. It's something that the coaching staff has to think about when they talk about deploying for usage all the time. Now, grant you, they have come out and said several times that they feel good about his health, but I've heard in other occasions, guys like Dirk Cutter saying they don't really know his health. Like, I mean, they, they think they know, 
he's past his physical. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that they're fine with whatever condition he's in right now. But nobody's out there in pads yet. Nobody's out there doing anything. They don't know what they're going to get here with Todd Gurley. So I want to be very, very price sensitive, especially since I think that everything I said about it being mental, especially the coaching staff part, that could limit the pure ceiling of a guy like Gurley. So I don't, I definitely don't want to overpay. I think that the range of outcomes is probably consolidated somewhere towards the median. He's not going to have super high spike seasons. And if they keep him safe, he'll probably won't have too many low spike seasons in this scenario. He's just not someone I'm that excited about, even though I do see that if it were Todd Gurley of two years ago, this would be a smash. Let's play the game. I'll jump back to you, Beer. Jimeno, if you disagree, feel free to chime in. Uh, Gurley versus CEH. Gurley. Well, yeah, Gurley, because, you know, CEH is like the, you know, we, we don't even know if he's like the third down back yet. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be used. <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't want to take a giant poop on CEH, but I mean, come on. I mean, the guy is definitely not in the same caliber as his draft status is. He's one, he's one of the most tilting draft picks of the entire draft right now. Here, uh, Leonard Fournette for Gurley. Early. I, I'm off Leonard Fournette. I mean, they, 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 the underrated move is they brought in Chris Thompson, and he's very familiar with this offense uh, with Gruden. So you start losing some of those uh, pass-catching opportunities. And sure, maybe the touchdowns go up, was on the wrong side of touchdown variance last season, but this could be the worst offense in the league. And I, I don't even think that's an argument. So, okay, he adds a few more touchdowns, but those targets start coming down. Uh, and I'm not going to underrate Chris Thompson. They brought him in for a reason. I just don't see the upside with Leonard Fournette right now. So, girly, easy for me. Jonathan Taylor? That that's, ex- that's, that's Go a ahead, good Beard. one. That's a good one. I, I'm still going to say girly, but I'm very intrigued with Jonathan Taylor. You, you talk about potential upside behind the best offensive line uh, in the league. It's just a matter of how much of the work is he going to get? How much is Marlon Mack going to be involved? How much is Naheem Hines going to be involved in the passing game? But uh, I'm very enthralled with Jonathan Taylor, not just because I'm a Badger, but uh, behind that offensive line, uh, there is upside. There's risk, of course, because he could be in a timeshare. But I'll say Gurley, but I am drafting a lot of Jonathan Taylor uh, at current prices. Jimena, you wanted to jump in. And, like, this is the hot take show, and, like, your voice has gotten more booming. Maybe it's just my end, but your takes have been getting hotter. Uh, maybe your audio has changed. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe it's on my end. I don't know. But uh, your thoughts here. Dean, don't stand on the tracks when the train's coming through. <laughs> got Jonathan Taylor, the opposite of Todd Gurley, when, it, when you talk about physical health at this point in time. He is young and ready to explode onto the NFL scene. I do think that Marlon Mack is a concern from an opportunity standpoint, but if this guy is anything close to what it seems like he could be, we're talking about one of those guys, Dean. We're talking about your Zeeks, your Barkley's, one of these physical specimens that can absolutely dominate at the running back position. And when you give him an offensive line that can get the job done, as Beer alluded to, there is a massive ceiling here for Jonathan Taylor. Considering ADP, more likely, who are you going to have, Julio or Ridley? Definitely Ridley, 100%. I mean, you know, I'm trying to get running backs to that spot where Julio's generally going. If we're talking about best balls and getting the robust RB start, then I'm probably going to have more Calvin Ridley than Julio Jones. You agree, Beer? Yeah, Ridley. I mean, I did see Julio Jones fall into the fourth round. It, it, it went to pick before me uh, in the Scott Fishbowl. So in the fourth round, I, I'm glad to take Julio, but uh, he's still a guy that goes in, in the first two rounds in a lot of drafts. I'll wait and take Ridley fourth, fifth, sixth round wherever he lands. So, Jamila, you're the one that named these categories. I'm not sure if the official name is on the screen right now, but it is Hurst. It's a Hurst pun. So, I guess I – did I bury the lead here? Do you want to talk about Hurst? So, Austin Hooper was a guy who was pretty involved in this offense last year, and now we're going to all of a sudden start talking about Calvin Ridley being the guy that gets all the targets that have been vacated, you know, when we have no more Austin Hooper. But I would think that Hurst is the player that we should be definitely targeting as one of the top – you know, 10, 11 tight ends in this draft. I have him certainly ranked as such, and you can draft him a little bit cheaper than you can get some of the other guys we talked to a little bit earlier, like Ingram, like your Tyler Higbees. So I would think that Hurst in the role that saw one of fantasy's 2019 superstars explode in an offense that once again, just like the New York Giants will have a terrible defense, you know, giving them negative game scripts to deal with high volume passing situations in which a player like Hayden Hurst, is going to have to be on the field running routes and not blocking. So he's definitely not the kind of player, you know, like your Nick Boyle in Baltimore who 
the Ravens really needed as like a, a you know, it's like a, it's like a double. You got Mark Andrews who can do a little bit of both. Hayden Hurst is sort of a one trick pony, more of a pass receiver than a blocker. And he's out there with the athleticism to do pretty much the same thing that Hooper was doing six, five, two fifty, you know, 81st percentile speed score. I mean, he's a little bit older for a young player, but he's still got the potential to be a fantasy star when you look at the athletic profile and his ability to work as a pass receiver. So I'm in on Hurst. Putting you to the test here right at the gate, Hurst versus Gasecki. I know, I know everybody loves Gasecki this year. Uh, Hurst. And, and, and the thing about Hurst is a few months ago, you were getting him super cheap. Uh, and, and the public has gotten smarter, and he's now become – I see him go as tight end seven, tight end eight. Uh, so people are on to Hayden Hurst, and for good reason. I mean, he, if he fills even a part of that Austin Hooper role in this offense, sky's the limit here. This guy is uber-talented, very athletic. They drafted him before Mark Andrews back in Baltimore, so they saw it, and I think you're going to see it here this season with Atlanta, a team that's always utilized the tight end. So he is one of my – probably my highest-owned player across all of my positions. I absolutely love uh, Hayden Hurst. I hate to see the price – Going up on him, I still have no issue taking him as a top eight tight end, but it was better when I would get him tight end 14, 15 at those prices. Uh, plenty of those shares in the bank already, but uh, I, I love Hayden Hurst this season. Hurst versus Hooper? Hurst. All right. Do you know you agree? Absolutely. Uh, Ooh, Hooper's more. got a lot of competition there, and even in his own tight end room, he's got to deal with Njoku. So, Hurst. Uh, Hunter Henry. Who was not liking Hunter Henry? You guys, I think it was you. I'll, right? I'll take oh. Hurst over Henry. Hot take. Yeah, that seems kind of like a hot take. For us, when I'm looking at the stats here, is the ADP stuff, and of course, this is a, you know, it's always moving, always changing. Uh, so you guys are both bullish here, uh, obviously on Hurst. I guess let's talk about Matt Ryan. The close out Atlanta, basically one of the first quarterbacks off the board that's not that doesn't have legs. Uh, you know, and legs. You want legs in 2020. Uh, who wants to sell me uh, on Ryan or who wants to tell me Ryan's over, being overdrafted? Take either position. It's all price considered, Dean. Matt Ryan's going to get drafted seventh, eighth, ninth round, something like that in fantasy drafts. And I think that if you're trying to give yourself the highest upside teams, it really depends on your format. Uh, if you're playing in a 12 team, you know, 12 player, you know, no reason to look for the maximum possible upside. Sure. You can probably start to consider Matt Ryan, uh, if you're not holding off as long as you possibly can, but I prefer to hold off as long as I possibly can. And that kind of precludes him from being an option. You know, you, Daniel Jones, we talked about him earlier. You know, you're, you're not talking about that different of a situation when it comes to how those offenses are going to need to be high volume in the pass attack. And Jones is going significantly. Carson Wentz is going later than Matt Ryan. So for me, I do think he's a fine option, but just not one of my favorites on the board. And uh, you know, that's, that's really the situation with, with a lot of these guys. It's all price considered. You know, Austin Hooper is, is more expensive than Hayden Hurst. So it's, it's not even really worth debating. Beer? To me, Matt Ryan, just a, a guy. Yeah, he can put up numbers here, but you mentioned it. You, we really want legs. So the, the only scenario I'm really hunting out, Matt Ryan, two scenarios. A, he falls way further than he should, which, which he doesn't. People know the name Matt Ryan. B, I draft a lot of Atlanta early on. You know, I, I grabbed Julio or I got Ridley. Maybe I have Gurley, who I think will be involved in the passing game. And then I have Hayden Hurst in my back pocket. Then maybe I grab some Matt Ryan. But the, the guys around him, I'm looking at the, the Scott Fishbowl ADP as current. Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray go right in front of him. Carson Wentz behind him. I mean, there's all guys I would rather have than Matt Ryan. Even some of the later, Daniel Jones, we talked about QB 16. So uh, Josh Allen under him, give me some Josh Allen, maybe not in the Scott fishbowl, uh, but in your best ball drafts, Josh Allen gives you upside with his legs. So uh, I just not a guy I'm seeking out. I think the offense will be very good, but very limited mobility gives you nothing uh, with his legs. So pretty much stack or an incredible value. Otherwise I'm passing on Matt Ryan. All right, beer, close out the Falcons, close out the show for us, or at least close it out with your uh, hot take of the week. We got to finish strong. Hayden Hurst, top three tight end this season. Woo-hoo. Oh, Jamito, oh, see that? Great. I don't know yes. if you can raise that, but at least see it. I'm I'm going to say Kenyon Drake, top three fantasy running back in 2020. That's got some He is going to get there. I like it. And that's like how it. we – that's it, Dean. We mic drop now. Those Just walk off. Drop the right mic, there. walk off, and play the music. We're done. <laughs> that's the show. Uh, this was Best Ball Hot Takes. 
That was Beer. That was Jamino. I was Dean. This was football. And we'll be back next week with four new teams, probably five new teams. There you go. Stay tuned. Like and subscribe too while we're at it. Drop. Here you go. I'm dropping the mic. I gave no hot takes. Holler. We're out of here.